0: Good morning. Like you said, I'm Adrienne. I primarily write and edit fiction and raise my children. (laughs) And so uh, that's going to be woven a lot today in the sermon. So I hope you like characters and things like that. I'm actually going to turn these notes over so I'm not tempted to read them. I'm trying to be brave today and go (laughs) off of smaller note cards. So Uh, One of my favorite things about a good story is when a character goes after something they really want. Um, If you have, like, hypothetically, if you wrote something and an editor read it, they would probably ask you, what does your character really want, especially if you've not gotten it right, right? So um, if you can't tell what they want, there's a problem. (laughs) And uh, so today we're going to talk about desire, love, buried treasure, and pearls shall we? Patty, or Pam, can you show the text slide? I'm going to keep getting you two mixed up, I'm so sorry. I feel like we should make this a t-shirt, you know? <laughs> so Josh and Leah were on a plane when I added the Pirates of the Caribbean theme, so they didn't actually approve it. <laughs> so if it goes off the rails, it's not their fault. Um, so. <laughs> So I'm really awed this morning by the way that God has been weaving this together. Um, I think Ethan texted me like Tuesday and said like, you know, what's kind of the theme for worship? We're putting the songs together. And I had an idea of what I was preaching, but I had not written the full sermon yet. And so I kind of gave him like one or two ideas. And it changed a lot over the course of the week, especially from like Friday night to Saturday. Like I said, while Josh and Leah were traveling. And so, um, I'm really just, like, personally blessed by the way that we had, like, um, like, he is jealous for me, how he loves us. I just, like, started crying a little bit during that worship song because I didn't even have that in the Tuesday version. There was another song that was, like, talking about the seas and the, the wind right? Like, that's so cool. No one had any clue. That was not us. That was God. Like, we all serve the same God. We're all listening to the same spirit. And I love when that listening matches up, especially even in the early morning prayer. That happens a lot, too. So these pirates, they knew what they wanted, right? So we've got Jack, who, while portrayed by a problematic actor, knew what he wanted. He wanted the black pearl, He wanted freedom, and he wanted a version of eternal life, right? Um, We've got Will Turner, who is head over heels for Elizabeth Swan, and his desire and love for her drives a lot of what he does in the movies. And so I love The Pirates because it's a love story, but with grit, so like my husband will watch it too, you know? I love love stories. So that's a lot of what we're talking about today, um, is how much God loves us. And sometimes I think we wonder, does he even really care about me? Like I know you love me, but do you like me? Do you want me? Do you really wanna be with me? Am I just an inconvenience when I have questions? I can wait, I don't need any prayer today. It's no big deal. When I was dating before Eric, uh, I was with this guy and I liked him a lot. I'm a pretty intense person. And I was never really sure if he liked me the same amount. And so when he and I broke up, I remember this like moment of committing to myself. I am never going to be with someone again that I'm not sure they like me the same way I like them. Like, you know, not the same way, but same amount. You feel that, that sameness, that reciprocity. And so Eric and I got married, so we like each other <laughs> equally. Um, but there's got to be some kind of like equal value exchange, right? There's got to f- make, there's something that's got to like make it feel kind of worth it. Um, sometimes that can be like a job that maybe doesn't pay that well, but you love it, so it's worth it. Sometimes that's driving an hour and 15 minutes to church, <laughs> which we used to do, <laughs> or moving. Don't spoil my sermon, Leah. <laughs> You know, because you love it, right? Um, Sometimes that could be that the job kind of sucks, but it pays for your kid to do that really expensive sport that they really love, and so it's worth it. You know, there's got to be some kind of balance, right? When it gets out of balance, it doesn't feel right, Um, and it can be really draining. There are relationships that are like that, all kind of things. So today we're looking at parables that are... oh. <laughs> not all treasure is silver and gold, mate. I'll try to remember to look at the quotes. I mostly did quotes. I do have one tiny clip because I couldn't resist. Um, so today we're looking at value based parables, um, but we're not really talking about money. We're talking a lot about treasure, but we're not really talking about money. And so uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about was our move. Um, so we moved up here, what, three or four weeks ago? Uh, to be closer to you guys, because we like Mm -hmm. you, and um, (laughs) yes, it's even. Um, That was not really a financially valuable decision, you know what I'm saying? Like moves are kind of expensive, they're exhausting, and we still have an entire garage full of stuff to unpack. But we knew that it would be worth it because of the value relationally and spiritually of being close to the people that we love. Um, Growing up military, I know a lot about moving. Uh, We did it in like two weeks, you guys, it was nuts. Um, Another shout out to the people that came and helped unpack our truck that night at 8 p.m. because we were kind of insane. Um, (laughs) I feel like it would have been a little unequal if we had asked you to move to us, right? (laughs) We really like you, you guys all come to Fayetteville quit your jobs, bring your house with you if you can't, like, that would be insane, right? So the the worth, the value being equal made the most sense for us to come to you, right? You give us a lot, hopefully we give you some back, but we've also given up a little bit more than you have to be with us, right? That's that kind of like value exchange that I'm talking about. Um, so part of the reason that I am the way that I am is because I grew up military Uh, My dad's uh, retired military, and my husband is in the military. And so we know a lot about, you know, moving, giving up things, valuing friendship is really important. Um, How many of you, like, know a lot of military people? I'm just curious. Okay, not that many. Okay. So um, military people are kind of interesting when they start infiltrating your friend group uh, and your (laughs) church because we don't really play around, we don't have time for small talk. We don't have time to be a little involved. We get right in there. Or we're really depressed and in our house. It's like one or the (laughs) other. And so um, when you first make friends or start having military people infiltrate your community, it can be a little surprising, the intensity that we apply to our friendships. Uh, We can also see this idea of worth and value in real estate. right? So um, housing prices are what, like double what they were five years ago? It's insane. And that goes up with the desire and the need. So when we were looking for rentals, we were looking for a different kind of value, right? Our price didn't change. We were looking at all houses in the same price range, but our value for what was important to us for the houses was different for each one. Um, So one of the big things I felt like God told us, Holly Springs, I still looked in Fuquay, but I really felt like he was saying Holly Springs. We now live four minutes away, so God is good. I couldn't believe he made that happen. but one of the things that was kind of a weird value that I had other than like having enough bedrooms for everyone and all that was I would get you know I would go online I'm a big like researcher so I would stock the things and they would be beautiful and it would look fine like square footage is fine bedrooms is fine and we'd get there and even before I got to the house sometimes the neighborhood would just feel like it was like I couldn't breathe and I'd get to the front yard I didn't even usually I honestly had my decision made before I even walked inside because some of the houses just I couldn't breathe in the front yard, and that's a really weird thing, but that was like a value when we were looking for houses. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I did so good house. for the house. Breathing is good. But sometimes we need to experience something to know its worth. One of the things that we get to experience, like in the movie, Pirates of the Caribbean, or in smaller stories, sometimes even Facebook posts, are small plots versus big plots, okay. So like a small plot is like, I got a paper cut today. I took my dog to the vet. A day at the office. That's a story. You can make a story out of that. Um, A big plot is like a swashbuckling adventure with people who go to the ends of the earth to find what they want. They're not, neither one of them is better, but there's more at stake in a bigger plot. There's more of a sense of the size of the quest, the weight of the sacrifice. So I want you to use your own discernment when it comes to comparing the Pirates of the Caribbean to the kingdom of God. Um, I'm not going to point out every way that there are things that are definitely not the same. But if you can go ahead and play the um, the video clip. With sound, hopefully. <laughs> Would you mind restarting it? It's super short. (laughs) That's okay. We'll just take a second. So not exactly the same. (laughs) We all want to belong. Even Jack for a second there kind of wanted to belong to Elizabeth, right? Um, We like to have relationship, but not just like making new friends or anything like that, but also then once you do have people, you want to start kind of moving up in the level You don't want to just be the person they know from church. You want to be friends. And then you want to be besties. And then you want to be, you know, or in a a romantic relationship, we want to, you know, go out with some people. And then we move up to dating exclusively. And then we're engaged. And then we're married, right? There's a a progression, a weight is added as we kind of move up in the level of the way that we belong to each other. When Eric and I were engaged, I remember that... um, There's a lot we were looking forward to in marriage, but one of the things that I can really remember is we were just so tired of saying goodbye to each other, right, we were tired of that sense of being separate. We wanted to be together all the time. We wanted to go to bed and wake up in the morning and we were still together and we didn't have to make plans, we didn't have to, you know, it was assumed we were together if we weren't working. Okay, Um, we wanted that constantness. We wanted to be joined together. And whether or not you're in a romantic relationship, and whether or not you're in one that's going well, whether or not you feel that, that joined feeling, you know, when you can like call this person at 2 a.m. and they have to answer the phone, the Holy Spirit wants that. Am I still on? Okay, sorry. The Holy Spirit wants that with you. And I don't say that lightly. I think um, I'm really thankful that God brought the Pirates of the Caribbean into this because just, you know, everybody's, has everyone seen Pirates of the Caribbean? No, oh no. We gotta have like a movie party now. I'm so I'm gonna give all kinds of, no I'm just kidding, I'm not giving spoilers, but you can you can kind of mm-hmm. conjure up the grit, right, like the sense of adventure, the largeness of the story. And so when I say like, God loves you, God wants to be with you, sometimes they can sound sort of I don't know if trite is the right word, but they can sound like maybe I don't totally mean it. And I hope that if you come away with something today, it's the idea that I totally mean it. I totally mean it. The Holy Spirit wants yeah, yeah, yeah. to be there for you. He wants to be with you in every way in all the things that you do. So we're in a series of parables, not just pirates. Um, when Matt preached a couple weeks ago, he said that the definition for parable. Hopefully, I'm saying that right, means to cast alongside or compare two stories to each other. And so, not only are we looking at two verses today, but I've also kind of layered in that pirate's parable in some ways. And then, uh, when Leah preached a few weeks ago, she talked about how Jesus often says in the parables, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And spoiler alert, it kind of changed my life. But um, won't talk about that today. But um, the idea that when we come, come upon something like a piece of art or a story, um, he who has ears to hear, like he who, he who can engage with this, right? He who can look at the depth with me and, um, is that clock right? Yep. <laughs> and that's it. That's the sermon. <laughs> So anyways, um <laughs> my I did. I, I took a fair amount of time telling you all <sighs> Okay. So my point is there are a couple ways you can interpret these passages. And I just want to I ask God, help me not seek to be right, but help me give the message that you want to say to your people today. And so we're gonna look at Matthew 13, 44. I think through 36, yeah, or 46, excuse me. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and bought all that he had and bought, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So my initial inclination was that this is basically the same parable, right? They kind of sound the same. Um, And if that's the case, either Jesus is the man in both stories, and we're the thing that he finds, or we're the man in both stories, and the kingdom is the thing that we find. I have another idea. Some of the differences and similarities in these parables. um, In the first parable, the man stumbles upon the field by accident. In the second, the man finds it after searching and dedicating his life. Uh, The similarities, small things are being found and like other parables, um, the, the smallness is like, uh, like there's a parable that's like the yeast that, you know, expands the dough. Or the mustard seed, the tiny mustard seed that turns into like this huge field of mustard greens. They're very invasive. But this parable is not talking about something small growing bigger. This parable is talking about finding something of great worth and the joy of owning it. So if we are the man in the field, I think that makes a lot of sense. There's kind of a lackadaisicalness to how he finds the treasure. He's kind of like, whoa, look at this treasure. God gives like no background. Like this character, I don't know what he does. How is the treasure in the field? Why is he in the field? Like there's all these things, right? That as a storyteller, I'm like, no. God was like, nope. And I think that's very intentional. There is a spiritual hidden quiet feeling to the way that this treasure is buried, and the man has nothing to do with it. The message of the gospel is that we can do nothing to earn our salvation. This man did nothing to put that treasure there he didn't plant a seed and it became treasure he didn't water anything like there you know there's this sort of interesting like parallel to like you know a plant in a in dirt and he did nothing, right? He just found it. He found it with joy and he went and sold everything he had. So there's nothing you can do to earn it. But the good news is, all you have to do is just sell everything. <laughs> just give all of yourself and everything that you care about and just give it all to God. Super easy, right? The quote says, Pam, if you can go to, um. The quote should say, this is either madness or brilliance. It's remarkable how often those two traits coincide. (laughs) What are we talking about in the vineyard? Faith is spelled R-I-S-K, right? Things look a little mad sometimes. It looks a little mad to pack up your entire life and move somewhere within two weeks. Our kids were almost about to start school when we moved here, and then we just put them in the ones here. It was crazy, but it worked. So I don't think that the first parable makes sense with Jesus being in the field because I don't see Jesus as lackadaisical. I don't see him as just stumbling upon us. The, the gospel is intentional that he looks for us and finds us, right? Um, have you ever like, been playing hide and seek with your kids? And sometimes kids will just kind of rope you into a game and you kind of don't notice. And they're like, are you going to find me? Like, I forgot we were playing hide and seek. Sorry. You know, I don't think Jesus is doing that with us. Uh, The first time I ever experienced this was um, at a conference, uh, the Vineyard National Conference um, in Dayton. And I had Hunter who is now like this big and he was like wrapped to me and I had like the giant stroller with all the bottles and everything. And um, it was not easy to be there, but I really, really valued being there and I felt like God told me to go. And so sometimes my experience there was a growing baby. people praying over me even sometimes and I'm trying to get the baby to stop crying so I can listen and I don't want to leave but I don't really want to be there either and you know it's hard. But there were also times where he was asleep and just chilling on me and I would walk around and I just felt the presence of God so heavily in my feet, in my hands, in the room and I would have words and I would pray and sometimes God would just say Like just kind of, you're just like a conduit. You're just adding more. You're not even the one giving the words. You're just, so it was like this feeling of being like a disciple and just, I have never experienced the kingdom so heavy. And heavy feels like the wrong word, like so thick, so alive, so crackling as I did in that room. And I remember stopping and going, this is why he sold everything in that parable. This is the kingdom. Sometimes we can have a hard time experiencing the kingdom in our normal life because we want to be not mad, right? We don't want to be crazy. We don't want to be zealous. We're Americans. <laughs> we don't do that. Actually, I used a British accent for that. Sorry. <laughs> um, but right, like we don't want to be too Jesusy. But at a conference, we kind of all we all agree this is kind of what we're here for. It's like to to experience and. Get and have and show God. I felt like, for a long time, when my kids were really little, so I had like three kids under four, um, and I tried doing the church thing as a mom, I grew up in the church, and I was so exhausted and so drained, and the only version of God that I knew was that I was supposed to be like praying and reading my Bible at 5 a.m. with a cup of coffee and a candle, but um, my babies didn't really care about that. (laughs) And so I took a step back for a while from organized church. I wasn't mad at the church, I wasn't mad at God, but I felt like you know, I had this thing that I knew that I was looking for, and I couldn't find it. And so I just waited. And it was a really sweet time with the Lord, where I felt like he was teaching me how to be... I wasn't trying to prove myself anymore, <laughs> you know? I, I gave up on trying to prove that I was a good enough Christian. And I, and I decided that I was good enough even if I didn't read my Bible. Even if all I could do was get to the end of the day with my babies, that, I, that he still loved me. And what was it, almost 10 years later, That I made it to that conference and I really tangibly understood what God was doing, what God looks like, what God feels like, how much he loves me, how much he loves my kids, right? I felt like I had searched in a lot of fields and I hadn't found it until then. And sometimes I think that is, not sometimes, I think that is what it's meant to feel like. And sometimes maybe we find the treasure over and over But the man found it, covered it back up, and left with joy. Um, I feel like I'm only like halfway through my sermon. (laughs) Should I just do this (laughs) as a second sermon? After my last sermon, Josh told me, you kind of preached two sermons. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Um, So maybe this is the thing I need to look out for. Okay. So that's right. I'm not holding you hostage. I'll just be mad at you forever. Just kidding. <laughs> okay, so in the, in the second parable, the man uh, is a merchant. He does this for a living. He knows the value of what he's looking for, right? And when he finds it, he says, this is what I've been looking for, this. I mean, think about how many things a merchant has access to. How many things, even back then, that a merchant would have laid his eyes on. And he finds this small, perfect pearl. And he says, this is what I've been looking for. What if we're the pearl and Jesus is the merchant? It's my theory that these are two separate but related stories. That they are, maybe even, you could see them like a cycle. A regular person stumbles upon the beautiful upside-down kingdom and goes all in on it. And then Jesus, who has committed his whole existence to this, finds us individually and collectively and sells all he has for us to be in the kingdom. And then again, if you go to the next slide, or no, that's, we did it, we're good. So we're talking this morning about love and desire and a character that knows what they want and goes after it, that epic adventure feeling right, that love story. Jesus found what he wanted and he gave up everything. The word, uh, when it says he found a, like a pearl of great price or whatever the phrasing is, um, the word is actually good, like he, sort of like he found a goodly pearl, which you know, doesn't work so well in English. But um, the word good there is echoed in an earlier passage where it says, um, like the people of the kingdom are the good seed. And so he's saying like, I found a good pearl. The Lord made us and he said it was good, right? So if you still have any doubts about if you're like the dirty tarnished pearl or the like old necklace at the bottom of the thrift store pile, you're not, you're not. You can argue with me if you want. You can argue with yourself or you can just accept that God says, this is what I want. I'm going to go to the ends of the earth and back for you. God wants to be with his people. Like, why? This doesn't seem like a good plan. Like, he made all of earth. He made us. He made the animals. He gave us jobs. Like, and then he said, go make more messy humans. It's because he loves us, because he wants us, because he desires us. He desires that, that joining with us. We've been talking a lot uh, in our church lately, not even necessarily from the pulpit, but sometimes from, you know, words or things on the side and um, about the idea that like, if you need more love, if you need more patience, if you need more peace, Invite the Holy Spirit. And I know that seems kind of obvious. Maybe it's just me. But like I forget that sometimes on like Wednesday night when my kid can't find their shoes and we're supposed to leave in five minutes and I'm already stressed because of something else. Like, it's like, okay, come Holy Spirit in these small moments. In this integrated, everyday, moment-by-moment way, where are we forgetting what we have, right? We have this joined relationship, we have this, this God who loves us and wants to be with us in every moment and it's not God that isn't there. We're the ones that forget what we have access to. We're the ones that think we're not good enough when he has clearly said that we are but we still wrestle with it. And so like on those moments where we're gonna do communion, like give it back to him again Whether it's the unforgiveness, whether it's the anger, whether it's the feeling unworthy, give it back to him again. Give it back to him until you don't have to give it back to him again. Because when those things are holding us back from being with him on that regular daily basis, like we're missing out. God wants us more than Jack wanted the black pearl more than Will wanted Elizabeth. He wanted us at the beginning when he made us, and he wants us still now. We are the bride of Christ, pearlescent and beautiful, even when we're like having cold feet. He still wants us. He's still standing there, just waiting for his beautiful bride to come to him. And and I mean that collectively, and I mean that personally. The size of the story tells us the stakes, tells us, you know, how big it is. How much is it? How much is the, the sacrifice? How how big is this quest, right? That's what we talked about at the beginning. Big actions show us a big story. In both of these stories, okay, so say I'm writing a book, and I could be like, She was the most beautiful girl in the whole world, right? That is telling. Or I can have everyone react to her in a certain way. And then you're like, okay, she is really gorgeous. I got it. I see what you're saying. Right? And we just kind of pick up on that. Like, people are smart. Um, So we can look at the pearl and the treasure. And we don't know how, how, I mean, like, I don't care that much about pearls. I don't really know, like, what's a good pearl. I don't I'm not a pirate. I don't care that much about treasure. I probably would take it if it was nearby, you know, but, um, but I know the value of the treasure and I know the value of the pearl because of what they did. What they did is they saw it, received it with joy, and went and gave up everything. So if you're not sure if this is worth it, like, I don't know if you've noticed, but we don't really do things normal around here. You can't just like come in and just hang and just leave and like not maybe feel a little tearful, maybe feel a little seen, maybe feel the love and presence of God. We're not really here to just do the things. We're here to do the stuff. We're here to do the stuff of, of God. We're here to do the stuff of the kingdom. And it's because it's worth it. And so we were talking today about doing. Uh, like one of the best ways to experience the love of God is to like pass it on to someone else, right? There, there's an experientialness to communion. And the, the very end, we do ministry time. And what that is, is an invitation to not just sit, not just, you know, tell someone about your week, but to really engage with the message, to really engage with the Holy Spirit and what God is saying. Now, that doesn't mean you have to come up to the front, and that's the only way to, like, be a good Christian. That is not what I'm saying, and you hopefully know that already, by the way, that I've already talked. What I'm saying is that God is here, that the kingdom will break in in these moments, but God is a gentleman. He's not going to push himself on you most of the time. I would think, I haven't had that experience, right? So I invite you to think about where God has touched you today, the worship, the things that were shared before, the sermon, whatever it is, and whether it's in your chair with another person, like don't be afraid to engage with another person, right? Like the love of God flows through all of us for each other. This is not something where it's like inconvenient, like I don't like you as much as you like me, Experience the kingdom. Be brave.